This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, we talk to the outspoken bassist and vocalist from American Dog, Michael Hannon. We talk about what he's up to today, and we revisit his past bands like Salty Dog and Dow. Check it out. Well, Michael, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm good, man. <laughs> All right. So, what have you been up to? Uh, I just got home from work about an hour and a half ago. Musically, I'm sure you mean musically. Like rock <laughs> yes, roll, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we, we actually, American Dog got together not long ago, and we did a, a song, a new one. We recorded it. We're creeping together as getting American Dog back out on the road again. A little here, a little by, a little by little baby steps, you know? So maybe a, a new album in the future and some touring? I don't know. We're going to see what happens first. I mean, it's like we, we've gotten several offers for European tours. We had a, an offer right before this stupid flu bug came around and side you know slapped the world upside the face so uh that kind of got, went and put away basically we're just now starting to think about it again and we still got one offer for a european tour uh, we're just going to see how, how everybody's life is everybody you know changes their life and you go through changes and it, it, we'll just see what happens you know definitely so if people don't know, you know, an American dog, people know he has a bass player, but an American dog, you also sing. You know, what made you want to go up and uh, take the mic as a singer? Well, it was all because we couldn't find a singer in American <laughs> dog. I mean, you know, what we could find, a few of them, but they were total assholes, and you didn't want to deal with them, you know? And it's like, ugh, you want to, being in a rock and roll band is supposed to be fun. And if you got a guy, if you just have tryouts and you already can't stand the son of a bitch, but he sings good, <laughs> it's, it's not worth it, man, you know? Definitely. So what I, what I did is I recorded a bunch of demos of me singing, and I gave them to a bunch of buddies of mine that had, like, like you, that had, like, magazines or, you know, websites or whatever. And I said, man, I'm looking for somebody that sounds like this or can do this kind of stuff. And every single one of them came back to, back to me and said, well, what the hell are you talking about? Why don't you just do it then? Well, I never thought of that, you know? <laughs> so uh, so I just got thrown in the fire, and I, I learned, you know, as I went along. Yeah, it sounds killer. And Now, do you write all the lyrics, most of the songs? Do you write a, a lot of the lyrics? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like kept writing lyrics, you know, dirty poetry, stuff yeah. you write on the bathroom wall. And it, it, it worked out fine. And American Dog is shit. We did what eight or nine studio albums and three DVDs, and just you know, just kept going. It never stopped. It did great. Yeah, I mean, I, what I like about it is it's got a sense of humor. And sometimes I think it's always, I think it's good. So, like, if you're the songwriter, I think it's important a lot of the times for you to be the singer as well. You know what I mean? Because it's it's you. You know what I mean? It's your it's your song, it's your story, it's your character, and I think it works. Yeah, and I, I agree with you about especially about the humor stuff. My all-time favorite artist is Alice Cooper. Oh. And there's always good bits of humor in there with him. Oh, big I time. Mean, his lyrics have all kinds of sarcasm in it and snotty little brat things, and it's just, it's just great. And it, he, he, me, my favorite, he rubbed off on me a lot. Yeah, no, Cooper's great at that stuff, and it's very subtle, and, you know, it's not in your face as maybe some, you know, some other people are. You know, you say somebody like, you know, Weird Al Yankovic or Frank Zappa, you know, maybe it's a little bit more in your face, but you're right. Cooper has that, that uh, sarcasm, and it's a little bit more subtle, but uh, just as effective. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, even his, like, his biggest hit probably ever is Poison, right? Yeah. And there's a great line in it, uh, uh, I want to hurt you just to hear you screaming my name. That's <laughs> great. 
Yeah. So obviously this is, you know, the 80s glam metal cast. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we like to travel back. And, and you're a guy who's played in bands, you know, throughout the 80s and the 90s. So one album that always comes up, as you know, Salty Dog, Every Dog Has Its Day. I mean, do you go back and listen to that one a lot? Do you revisit that album? Uh, that's a good record. I mean, i tell you what. I think why the Salty Dog album stuck out so much is back in those days, everybody had the pointy guitars and the stripes and the polka dots. Mm -hmm. And the drums were real thin and the guitars were tinny sounding. Yep. Like, I'll use a rat as an example of that. Uh, and I, I'm nothing against rat because I like them. I yep. got a bunch of their albums. But I'm just trying to give that good example because everybody knows who they are. But if you listen to the Saudi Yog album compared to that, the drums sound so much bigger. Yeah. And it sounds like a real live, almost 70s band. Definitely. And I think yeah. that's what made it stick out and sound so different. Yeah, yeah, definitely had that unique, you know, retro style. Not very different than what the Black Crows were doing. And in my opinion, I'd take the Salty Dog debut over the Black Crows debut any day, but that that's just me. Yeah, it's a different, you know, whatever. it's just opinions on that. I mean, they certainly <laughs> sold a few more, so we're definitely in the minority on that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, you're right, and it's it's definitely more organic. You know, and the bass, too, is, is really out in the front, like with uh, Come Along. You know, the bass line drives that one in the beginning. Uh, Ring My Bell. I always loved Heave Hard, She Comes Easy. I don't know why I like that one so much, but just just cool stuff, man. Very cool stuff. Yeah, and I think it's a great record. I really agree. <laughs> and that sounds real. How's that for arrogant sounding? I think it's a good record, too. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it is, it, it is good. And it sounds great. And I, I still think the drums are the best sounding thing on the record. Yeah. Another thing, obviously, is uh, Jimmy Bleacher has you know a very interesting voice. I mean, I don't know if you'd say he was the most incredible singer on the planet, but he it was that character and that style. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like the same thing with Alice Cooper. We were saying like you know it's a character and it's got style. That's what he had, and it's just so unique and it's so cool. Man, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly perfect way to say a character voice. He's kind of got a Neil Young kind of voice mm -hmm. to, to him to me. Uh, and but you know, it, it's like yeah. It's a shame what happened to the band, but, you know, shit happens, right? Exactly. You know, you go on. You know, what's weird is when you go back to, like, this album, it's 1990, and if you look at a lot of the other releases that were out, to me as a fan, and people sometimes will comment on YouTube, like, how did you know that, how did you not know that all this stuff was going to come to an end? 1990 was a killer year, man. You guys had your album, which was said very organic sounding. It was, it was taking things to a, a new level. And then other bands were coming out hot, like that were older, like Pain uh, Painkiller by Judas Priest and uh, Megadeth did Rust in Peace. There was so much awesome heavy stuff, hard rock, glam, you name it. I mean, 1990 was just a, a killer year for music. Yeah, it was. I, I, is that when the Four Horsemen came out with "Rocking Is My Business"? I, I think so. Yeah, big. I think they did. Yeah. That was that, that was one of my favorite albums that era, and I and I really like Junkyard a lot a lot of that era. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And then you know we all know like 1991. It was like a year later. You know all that stuff was like no, that's not cool anymore. You know now everything's grunge, and it was for a lot of us fans, it was devastating because we wanted to see Salty Dog's second album. We wanted to see all everybody that came out in '90s. You know, second release, and uh, you know I agree. Happen. And Here's something you might not know. I, I played bass with Dangerous Toys uh, for a, for their Piss Tour, which is their third album. Okay. I knew you were in yeah. Dangerous Toys. I just wasn't sure what album. Okay, so the Pissed album. Yep, okay. Yeah, I want I, let me make sure you get that right. I'm not on the album. Okay. Uh, Mike, Mike Watson recorded the album. Then he 
couldn't or wouldn't do the tour. I wasn't sure why. That would be a question for Mike, <laughs> who's a very good friend of mine. I like the guy, but he couldn't do it. So I did the tour with him, and it was weird. I mean, if you get that record, the CD, whatever it is, open it up and read the liner notes. They say the same, what you were just talking about. It's like, what do you think? It, it's to the record companies. It says, why do you think all, all these people that listen to this great rock and roll, they're all gone? Like, we don't exist anymore, right. you know? Yep. So, so that album wasn't so much as angry. It was just defiant, and it was real straight-ahead rock and roll. But, you know, that's it's weird. But, yeah, I did that whole tour with them, and they're still good friends of mine. It's funny. I, I talked to Jason recently, and obviously when I interview somebody, I go back and I start listening to the catalog, and Piss does sound really good. But I noticed that I never listened to much of Hellacious Acres, the one that came out in 91. So I, when I revisited that album, or even visited it all for the first time, I, I, w- I was blown away. Like, that was such an incredible album, but it just kind of got lost in the shuffle, you know, from 1991. Which one was it? Are you talking Hellacious Acres? Yeah, their second one, yeah. Yeah, Hellacious. You know, okay, here's a little trivia now for you. Get out your liner notes on that. I sang background vocals on the song Sticks and Stones on that album. Oh, Sticks and Stones. Yeah, that's a catchy one. Yeah, I, I love that stuff on there. That's so such yeah, a good album. that was weird. That record just did not get the push. And I remember, well, I wasn't, this, this is actually you should talk to Jason about. He's, he's a good dude. He'll talk to you anytime. But I remember meeting him at the Cat House because Dangerous Toys and Saudi Dog played some shows together and we became good friends. Yep. And uh, I, we, we talked and he said, what do you think about our bad company song cover we did on that album? And I said, I think it's the worst song on the album. <laughs> and he said, thank you. I agree. They kind of got pushed in that direction to do uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, that's funny. He, he didn't say that when I talked to him, but one thing I was mentioning, like, man, I, I like a lot of these catchy songs. And I think one of them I mentioned was, um, gypsy black and blue valentine or something like that and he's like oh we hated that song they they made us write that with some outside writer and i was like oh shit i kind of yeah. like i like that one it's too bad that, that you guys don't like it but yeah i think there's a great album like sugar leather and the nails great that's that's a good album yeah I, the demos i found even better than the record but i think but uh, i don't know so you guys toured with Dangerous Toys some. Who are some of the other bands uh, from the 80s and 90s you guys toured with? Well, the one that really got me a fucking boner on was we played, we opened up for Paul Stanley on his solo tour. Oh, uh, no shit. I didn't in, know that. In Hollywood. And I mean, it was funny because I talked to, I remember talking to Janice Garza, who's a writer. She used to work for Rip Magazine, if you remember Rip. Oh, yeah, Rip Magazine, and, yep. Uh, I, I said, man... Janice, I said, Paul Stanley's coming. And I, 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 I grew up a Kiss kid. And I said, oh, Jet, oh, it's Paul Stanley. Do you think we can get the opening show? Uh, and she went, she told me later on, she goes, Hannon didn't even know they were already on the bill. <laughs> we got it. And I got to meet Gene Simmons there. It was like, oh, I was like, you know, coming in some of my pants it was great dude i love kiss kiss is my favorite band i would have been oh man and to see you guys with with paul solo because that solo tour was amazing i've I watched a lot of it online I, I never caught a show but man amazing stuff yeah we only did the one show that was the uh, palladium in hollywood right across from Capitol records that so that was a big show uh that was fun uh we didn't we didn't play with a lot of rock bands. It was weird. Jeffen put us out. We we toured with Robin Trower for three months. Okay. And now that he has him, I love Robin Trower. And I, I got a lot of his records. I still listen to him. But, it, it, you know, he's more of a blues cat, right? Yeah, right. So we toured with him. And then we toured 
us and Company of Wolves together, okay. and Company of Wolves didn't draw crickets, man. I mean, <laughs> shit, they'd draw six people, and we'd draw 120 in these small places. Right, right, wow. And, but they, it was just like, then what do we do? We play some more shows with Trower, and then like I said, we did shows here and there with people, but that was about it. I mean, other than we had a couple of big shows, we played the biggest show Salty Dog ever played was in San Antonio, Texas. And you'd have to look this up. I can't know how to say it because my Spanish is really horrid. It was like the Wasamana Alagra Festival, something like that, mm-hmm. which means the Happy Week, okay. roughly translated. <laughs> yeah, it was us, the, the fabulous Thunderbirds, and Eric Johnson. So once again, those aren't really rock bands. That's more like a blues thing you know yeah was that kind of deliberate were they trying to put you with different acts so you didn't get grouped into like the the hair metal or hard rock type of thing i guess so i mean i didn't know i thought we should be playing with the dangerous toys in the la guns and stuff and the junkyards because that was the biggest kind of music in the world at the time Hmm. you know i mean so i didn't see why we were playing with the trowers i can once again nothing against robin trower or eric johnson the fabulous underbird but i mean when you fit into the scene with the biggest type of music that's going on in the world, I think you should be in that circle. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, Vi- just, Vicky, um, Vicky Hamilton but, managed you guys, right, for a while? She managed us before we got signed. Oh, okay. She does a thing where basically she'll sign you, help you out, tell you what to do, get your demos done, get the demos to the right people and the labels and stuff, and then she doesn't want anything to do, uh, this is how it was at the time anyway, she doesn't want anything to do with, like, being involved with the big labels and stuff, she should then she'll you pay her off once you get a record deal, and that's it. Oh, then okay. she walks away, and that's what happened. Okay. Did so, she have an in with Geffen, or she got us? Yeah, she got uh, our tape to everybody. Then as it was up to labels, see what labels wanted us. So she did her job, and she did it great. And she's a beautiful, wonderful person. I love her very much as a human being. And she did her job, and then after that, it was up to us to get a real, a big manager, not, not, not real, I mean, just a big manager that is used to dealing with the Sharks and Barracudas in the big league. Because <laughs> oh. she didn't want to deal with those assholes, you know what I mean? Right, right. So now, what, at what point was Jimmy out as the singer? Was it pretty early on, or how did it work? How did it no, work it was, he did the whole tour with us. Jimmy developed some habits that were not good. And we, we waited for him for a while and things just didn't work. And then we got another singer who was a very good singer, but the soul was gone. It just wasn't like a team anymore. It mm-hmm. was like a job and it just kind of fell apart. And that's the demos that you can hear for the, that lost treasure album, right? Is that uh, Daryl? Yeah. Beach? Which is, which is a bunch of fucking shit. Uh, that's a bunch of demos. Just the, all the horse shit you read, the lies, about that being the second album. That is not the second album. Those are from different recording sessions throughout a year. Okay. That is not a second album. Those are demos. You can hear the sound quality differences on different recordings. It's just, it, it, it shit like that pisses me off. It, 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 don't lie to people tell them it's this lost second album. Bullshit, it's not the second album. It's right. a bunch of demos. Who who unearthed that stuff? Where did that stuff come from? Uh, Pete put that out, and uh, he didn't even contact me or the singer on that album, Daryl, about it. Okay, yeah, it's it's weird because when you listen to it, it's I kind of know what you're saying is is he sounds like an excellent singer, you know, no problem, but that that I don't know, the sound is gone, you know, that that character that that drove the music that that gave it that you know vibe is gone, and it just doesn't sound the same at all. It, it, it wasn't a band anymore. It was going to work. Right. And 
I don't. I'm sorry if I sound like an asshole saying that. It's like it's the only way I can think of it. Honestly, I mean, I got nothing against you know Daryl. He was he's a great singer. He he can sing like Janis Joplin. You wouldn't believe when we play live. He'd do that. Give me a Mercedes Benz. Oh. That thing. <laughs> yeah. He can do it perfect. He's got a great voice, but it just the band lost its soul. Right. And I. I I know it sounds like I'm being an asshole, saying you know that they're assholes, or you know, but I don't know how to say it another way. It just didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a team anymore. Now, why did an album never come out? Did you guys just kind of fall apart and break up? Why was there well, never yeah, another one? Well, the, we, we had a different singer. They weren't behind us, and it was just like it was no more. Yeah. It, it just stopped working. And you know, fuck, they didn't have anything to do with rock and roll anymore. You know, the what? labels. It was yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough time. Now, did you guys have got, you've gotten together and played at least one show with all the original guys, haven't you? In in uh, the past, we did one, and it, it failed miserably. That yeah. was out there at the. Uh, it was called Club Vodka, which is the old Gazaris. Or at least there's one wall left of what was Gazaris, <clears throat> and it was terrible. It, it was not good. You can see it on YouTube. Mm. I, I don't uh, think I've ever seen it. What was the problem? Well, what went wrong? It just, well, you can hear it. It just doesn't sound good. Okay. It's a band. Hmm. Now, I mean, I, we only had two practices, but, you know, you should have your stuff together before you go there. Yeah. To, to these practices. I mean, you, you just go look at it. It just, it, it was a crying shame. I thought it, it just came out really bad. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll have to you, check that you, out. You, you judge, make your own judge. Just, just go to, just go to YouTube and look it up. Sorry, dog. Uh, reunion, it, it all think is always your club vodka, whatever. You think there's any chance you guys will ever do a show again, like at one of these, you know, the festivals or M3 or any of that kind of stuff? I doubt it, seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, but you never know. Shit like this happens. But like I said, I'm pretty pissed off they put out those fucking demos. Yeah. Uh, as a, on a CD without even bothering to call me and letting me know about it. Yeah, that's that is pretty messed up. Uh, and then you know, they, they, and then they first of all they took my songwriting credit. I wrote there's a, the song on there called Honeysuckle Wind. I wrote it on my grandpa's banjo. That's I'm not even credited on that. I got no song. It's like so I'm like yeah fuck this shit. But because you know then I did the Dangerous Toys tour, and then I did this band American Dog for over 20 years. And if I was going to get doing seriously into rock and roll, I'd do it with American Dog. Right. Because I love all the guys in American Dog. We get along great. They're close. We can do it anytime we want. It's no problem. So why would I you know, waste my time with a bunch of guys? It's like, eh, got to keep looking over my back, you know, see who's going to fuck me next. <laughs> or do I, or, or do I want to just get, get, hang out with my buddies and do it, you know, which I like American Dog's music better anyway than Salty Dog. Right. Well, yeah, you got to do what you love and what makes you happy. And uh, a lot of times, and there's yeah. a lot of bands. It's funny. It's a mixed bag. You know, you look, I mean, here I am. Yeah, I'm talking to you. And right now, I said to myself before you called it, don't sound like an asshole. Don't try to speak, <laughs> sound like a vindictive asshole. And I know I'm coming across like a douche, aren't I? Dude, you got to say what is on your mind and you got to be honest. So, no, I don't think you sound like a douchebag. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't want to be one of those guys that has enemies or – you know, it's just like, so it's just like, what happened in the past? I'm I'm kind of done with anybody like fuck it like that. I, right. I just, if you're going to do it, have fun. Because like, let's face it, bands like us, as old hard rock guys like us, we're like sha-na-na now. Right. The, it, it, it ain't happening. Rock and roll is dead. These kids today, they, they don't like rapping horse shit like that. Exactly. You're right. You're it's right. It's garbage. I mean, we're, we're the oldie show. So if you're going to do it, you're not doing it for money. You might as well do it for some fun. 
Exactly. Exactly. I, so I agree with you. If I'm going to do it, I mean, I wish, wish all the people that ever heard Sorty Dog would just buy one American Dog CD and see how good it really is. But nobody knows who American Dog is because it was, you know, local shit, according to people. Even though we did, like, what, 18 European tours in Japan and all that stuff. American Dog did a lot more shows than Sorty Dog ever did. Yeah. Oh, I mean, easy. We, we played Sturgis three times, you know. It's like, we've done it all. It's like... American Dog played with Twisted Sister. Fuck, we played with everybody. And it's like, it's just, everybody keeps asking me about Salty Dog because Salty Dog was on Gaffin, and it's part of their childhood growing up. Kind right. of, you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yep, no, I understand. And, and I don't mean to be that guy that does that, you know what I mean? But unfortunately... No, nah, dude, I, I, knew it, I knew it when I saw you from a glam thing. <laughs> That's what I talk about. I, I don't mind. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of Salty Dog. It's just, you know, eh. Matter of fact, I wrote a song about the whole salty dog phenomenon on our scars and bars album it's called burning yesterday okay and if you if you, if you have that album or it's on youtube or whatever the hell how you kids listen to music today listen to the lyrics on that one it's called burning yesterday it's about nope i'm moving forward i don't blame you you love bands like tough cats and boots jet boy jailhouse wild side and more then get your ass over to ddr music group there's tons of rare hair and glam metal CDs that you need in your collection. DDRMusicGroup.com. Check them out. Hey guys, this podcast takes a lot of time and effort. I want to do more in-depth projects on here, but I can't do it without your help. Just Google 80s Glam Metal Cast on Anchor. Once there, hit the support button. You can donate 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. Your support will ensure that this podcast will be rocking out for years to come. But let me ask you about another band. Let's go back even farther. Okay. Doll. Okay. Carrie Doll. I'm not sure what name it was It was when you were in it. Um, what was that all about? That, that was an early band that you did. Yeah, I was in... Actually, okay. Carrie Doll was first. And then he got some guys who made Ariel Styles in the band. Yeah. And they changed the name to Doll. I was in it when it was called Doll. Carrie was the singer, though. Okay, okay. Okay, just to clarify on that. And uh, Ariel wrote all those great songs. Uh, and when we were Doll, we t- played Odd Maverick. We, we played with Guns N' Roses at the, uh, what was it called, Radio City in Anaheim. One of my first shows I ever did with them. And it was funny because we did all those songs that Pretty Boy Floyd did later. And claim they wrote uh right. leather boys electric toys that's a doll song right right exactly I mean, all those songs were done by doll ariel styles wrote them all and then basically ariel once doll broke up and i went on the salty dog ariel did uh he started pretty boy floyd with those guys and yes. then he had to leave quit and they did his songs they took his songwriting credits completely off it and claimed they wrote them yes yeah, yeah, I've heard that multiple times from from different sources. Man, he's an amazing, amazing songwriter. Yeah, he's in Nashville now. Uh, he's a good guy. I like Ariel a lot. Matter of fact, I went down. There's a doll CD that came out about oh, six or eight years ago called Freak Show. Yes. And I went down to Nashville and did some bass parts on it. And he's got a studio set up. And I went and I did that with him too. So what was the story with that album? Was that a, a re-record or was it a demos? What, what is that album? What, the Dolls album? Yeah, the one that came out a few years back. I don't know. I think some of it were the demos that he could redo in his studios and stuff. But we were all there, all, all four of our, the, the Doll guys. We, it was great. And we all did different stuff. Oh, and cool. I don't know if any of this stuff was the originals or not because 
I just came in for like two or three days to do the base parts over. So I just don't know, and I didn't ask a lot of questions. You were busy as hell. And then we had to drink, you know, and you're not going to turn that down. <laughs> now, this Carrie <laughs> Dow, I'm kind of going back and discovering all this because this Carrie Dow is way before my time, but this guy was kind of doing this stuff early, right? I mean, he kind of, oh, I mean, he yeah, looks he like does. Vince Neal, but maybe even before Vince Neal. I don't know. How early was this guy doing this stuff? Jeez, uh, I don't know, but he, he's a great guy. Carrie's real smart. Good guy. I think he's living in Austin, Texas now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a good guy. And uh, I think he's a one, just wonderful guy. And Maverick Salty Dog practiced in his garage. No kidding. Yeah, you because know, he was like, Doll started stopped happening. And, and, and I was doing Salty Dog at the same time as Doll. And he said, look, you're doing this. Why don't you guys want to use this place to practice? So he let us practice in his garage, even though I wasn't in his band anymore. So... You can't say that's not a cool guy. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think he never made it big? Because he was right there in the mix of it all. What do you think happened with him? I don't know, man. A lot of it's who you know and stuff like that. You know? It's like, right time, right place, man. Yeah, because he almost seems like he had a bit of the Lizzie Borden vibe going on. Like he's in caskets and he's got the spider webs and stuff. So he kind of was, he was doing a lot of that stuff. Shit, we came out of... We had coffins on stage would come out of. Right. That's it, crazy. It was really kick-ass stuff. I mean, it, it was, I jumped right into, with a bunch of freaking weirdos. It was great <laughs> down there. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we were able to talk about that a little bit because I thought that Ariel Styles connection and, and with you in there and everything was de- definitely interesting. And like you said, a couple, I think one or two songs from the Pretty Boy Floyd album uh, is on that Doll album. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, hell. The whole Pretty Boy Floyd album, pretty much, I'd say at least 80% was written by Ariel. Mm-hmm. Although you don't see his name on it anywhere. Yeah. Now, that's a guy I would, I would love to talk with, but I, I've heard through the grapevine that, you know, he's pretty bitter, obviously, and he doesn't want to talk about any of that stuff. So Yeah, I can't blame him. I can't blame him. And Ariel's a great dude. He never hurt anybody, you know? Now, does he write songs for, like, who, Nashville artists, country? What would it, Who does he write for? I don't know what last I was talking to him he was doing stuff for like commercials jingles and stuff okay interesting but you know it's really odd you don't think of that but there's every time you hear like a muffler commercial or something somebody had to do that music right right and i think that's what he was doing and that pays pretty good oh yeah and of course if you can write a catchy tune with what he can i mean that's the whole key to a commercial you know it's got to be memorable or a jingle you remember it you sing it i know there's a lot of a lot of them are local you know and that's when you hear jingles they're like local businesses but you know probably all of us can sing a local businesses jingle <laughs> somebody's got to somebody's got to have that jingle so yeah exactly well man this has been awesome chatting with you about all this stuff what do you want to say to people that have been following you all these years yeah yes you know like what you like. Go out and do it. Don't follow fashions. Don't follow trends. Be yourself. And I don't care if you're old-fashioned. If you like Shanana, great. If you like Ted Nugent, that's great. <laughs> you just Whatever makes you happy is what is good, you know? Okay. okay. Appreciate it, Mike. Have a good night. Yeah, cheers, buddy. Bye. Well, that was great catching up with Michael. There's lots more cool stuff on the way, so subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Rock on!